Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Today is Tuesday, right? Take extra care to follow the instructions or you'll be put to sleep. And don't forget Taco Tuesdays. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake coming at you live from our Carrier Zone studios here at Vivint Arena. Austin Horton across the glass from me and safely social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one, the only Gordon Monson. Hello, Gordon. Hi, Jake. Uh, hope you're having a good day today. Uh, Austin, hope all is well with you. Austin sounded like he was in a good mood when I initially talked with him. Uh, are you feeling chipper today, Austin? No. No, not at all. Sorry, I misread you. I just uh, I might as well not burden you with my burdens. Well, of course you both are, are chipper. It's it's East Coast road swing time. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Here we go, Austin. Which means that... Oh, poor the, me. I have to work more. I have to do... It's, it's not about me working more. It's about you working less. <laughs> this is what I hear in my head when I saw the schedule. <laughs> yep. Yeah! East Coast, East Coast, baby! East Coast road swing time. Seven games? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Jake, you know, on the I, other I hand, know why this. you guys are in a good mood. <laughs> no, I also like East Coast road road swings. Don't, don't, yeah, don't. Oh. Yeah, I, I'm not going to rain on anybody's parade. <laughs> yeah, don't tell us. Sure, we love working. No, no, no. no. I mean, uh, I, I actually get home before midnight tonight, so that's pretty terrific. Pretty excited about that. Here comes a that. six overtime yeah. game. Oh, bite your tongue. <laughs> you said it first. <laughs> you stop it. I didn't mention overtime. Overtime is a dirty word. Uh, as True. far as I'm concerned. Okay, so I got a question for you guys since I asked, uh, since I presume that Austin was in a good mood, whether it's because of the East Coast swing or what. But are you, <laughs> did you say that on the air, Us? <laughs> you mind uh, telling us all about that? Just continue. Okay, so some people, when they're when they're feeling grumpy and they're kind of bummed out about something, they let everybody know that that's the way they feel. And I guess you could categorize that as under the classification of honesty, right? I mean, you are what you're, you are. You're feeling what you're feeling. Other people do not allow that to escape their own little realm, and they bottle it all up. Which do you prefer? You asking me? Yeah. Uh, which do I prefer? Somebody that yeah. Uh, would you rather be able to read somebody, or would you just assume they keep it to themselves and uh, not say anything? Oh, keep it to themselves for sure. <laughs> it really depends on the topic for me. Okay. Like if you or Gordon are having a terrible day, I'd rather you tell me yeah. I'm just having a terrible day, so I don't spend the whole show thinking I've made you mad. <laughs> so but I don't want to hear about. <laughs> Uh, you, know, you stubbed You're your toe, and, yeah. 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 And it, unless it's something humorous, 
Yeah, I don't need to know about the dog that died. Speaking of which, you know the toe? Like that? Uh, I, I, sna- I snagged my uh, snagged a, a toenail on my toe and ripped my toenail off two days ago. That's... Ripped that sucker right off my toe. That's gross. Just just stubbing it or or what? No, I I snagged it on. I it happened. I snagged it on some a, a while a bit ago and I loosened it up and then I did it again and and uh, and I didn't tell you guys about that right until right now when you brought up the stubbing <laughs> your toe thing. So, but poor me. <laughs> Right. For you, <laughs> you okay? You gonna no, make it? I think most with the, with the way our world is right now, I mean, there's a lot more things to hero. think about than that, right? Doing yeah. the radio show <laughs> and all. They don't all wear capes, Austin. No, no, or anything not. in Gordon's case. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, well, please. Uh, I, you know, I've never done a show naked. No. Why not? You could you know, right now, and we'd never know. And you, then you could maybe, always say, "I did a show naked." So I tell you what, I'll do. I'll do a show from my hot tub. The problem is, Never if mind. I, you know, make a slip, then I could electrocute myself, and I don't really want to do that. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, we'll see. Never done a show naked. Have you, Jake? No, and I'm not going. And I, I'm not endorsing you doing it either. I've got to disagree with Austin on this. Absolutely not. Well, don't tell us Austin, while it's happening. I mean, we well, did. Austin's told us that he's done shows without pants on. Has he? Is yeah. That it wasn't a joke? I don't think it, I don't, I don't oh, think I took he was... him seriously. I'd... Where would he do that? Austin is not strutting around the studio without pants, <laughs> and unlike you, Austin's not doing <laughs> shows from home. Uh huh. So I, yeah, I don't. You know we... there are there are cameras in the arena, right? You know the 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 the, the security people downstairs. I don't. You know Austin's not it's prancing still around illegal. here. Yeah, it's still illegal. <laughs> I made a joke several years ago about that. And again, you know, I know a lot of people out there working from home these days. There are still standards. And if if what's his his bucket from CNN didn't didn't teach us anything, it's that Jeffrey. Yeah, Jeffrey is that just because you're at home uh, does not mean that you still need to uphold those work standards. In my opinion, does not mean you don't have to hold those up. Yeah, he was on camera. I mean, that that was his deal. Doesn't matter. do you have cameras all over the inside of your house? Doesn't matter. I don't want to. Maybe. Uh, uh, as long as we're doing this show, I'm picturing you uh, at least with your bathrobe and tidy whities on. <laughs> all right. I wonder yeah. if any of our listeners ever listened to the show. Nate. No, stop it. Uh, right. BYU has a press conference coming up at uh, at two fifteen, so we will be carrying that live as uh, there That's, are a couple uh, of yeah. of uh, new Sorry. job titles handed out. That's the naked truth. Ugh. You just—you were just dying to sandwich that in. Yeah, I tried. I stepped all over you trying to get that one in there. It, well, it but is anyway, true. Yeah, there goes my chipper mood, fellas. Yeah, it is true. Uh, it is the truth. We will be carrying that press conference. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I think uh, A-Rod is a terrific choice. I wrote a column about it. You can check it out at sltrib.com. It's a, it's a good move by BYU. He is a really smart, capable guy especially now that he's had the shackles taken off of him because he had the shackles on him when he was at Utah under the under the uh, service of the dark overlord there. And uh, and when he came to BYU, he had sort of a similar circumstance at first. Jeff Grimes was a real conservative, and A-Rod had to loosen him up, and uh, and he did, and we saw the results this year. Yeah, and a lot of that also has to do with personnel and those sorts of things. I mean, BYU was going through some transition uh, when Grimes first uh, first took over, and you know, we've his his 
uh, career at Utah is certainly well well documented, and yeah, I think he's he's earned a promotion over there at BYU, and I, I think he he's wants good. he wants to be there, which is is a big deal for any job. But uh, you know that he he went to BYU, you know BYU uh, gave him another opportunity when his road at, uh, his run at Utah came to an end, and. I think he's he's got all the tools necessary and certainly the experience to do a nice job down there. I would expect it to continue. He's always been a good recruiter. I would guess he'll continue that as well. So he's this is a good move for the Cougs. I I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, hundred percent. I still am not used to him with the shorter hair though. Still not used to that. He did uh, carry it long at uh, at Utah. You know, I, I've seen this with Coach Lacombe. Uh, when these uh, coaches uh, are not at at BYU, they they overcompensate. <laughs> they, they grow that hair out. You should see the the mop that is Coach Tim? Lacombe is is dragging oh, around. Yeah? yeah, is he looking like a rocker now? Well, yeah, he is in a band. Yeah, he is. So, uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, and then they have to tighten it up when they go back, right? <laughs> High and tight. High keep and those tight. tattoos under the shirt. Is, is uh, Coach A-Rod a Rod a tattoo guy? No, Lacombe. Oh, Lacombe. Is he a tattoo guy? <laughs> He's a rocker. He's got to have a couple. In in your case, Austin, you would not uh, have to wear shirts that were not too tight as to not reveal some of your uh, <laughs> some of your decisions. I hate you so much. <laughs> I have pierced nipples. Is that against the honor code? I don't think so. I don't know, but it's it's probably not something you want to really advertise down there. I'm guessing. Well, I, I see a lot of guys with or on the radio at BYU anymore. So you know, I mean, maybe that has uh, eased off a tad bit. So gone are the days when they edited out uh, Hafa Arujo's tattoos for the media guide. <laughs> Ridiculous! Come on, I mean, you see the guys, you see what they, they're sporting tats. It's not. Uh, it's not going to keep anybody who can score touchdowns out of the out of the program. What's your next tattoo going to be? I've never had one, but uh, maybe I should get one. And, Lisa's uh, pet name for me is Bowler. I'm not, yes, I'm not putting Bowler on. My That's pretty, <laughs> it, no, not Bowler. That whole sentence. No. <laughs> Why would I take an incriminating I audio really? where oh. I was forced to do it to say it? And then permanently tattoo it to my body. I love I like LA socks with sandals. How much will you guys pay me if I do if I did something like that? How about how about not the sentence that I wear socks with sandals, but actually like a picture? You of know, a, what, like a, a socked like, foot in a sandal. Right. Uh, how that's going to be expensive? How much you're going to pay me if you if you can rally our listeners to uh, come up with a certain dollar figure that I have yet to uh, make fast. Uh, I, I I would consider it hundred bucks, and I'll pay for the tattoo. <laughs> Forget that. <laughs> I'll let you out of the owe me dinner date. That. <laughs> that I've tried to pay you guys back a thousand times, but if, you won't let me. So you, you mean by never? My head. Yeah. Oh, Sunday morning at four a.m. You guys available? <laughs> yeah, well, I tried to pay it up. It's no, six no, fifty-eight it's, on, it's, on a show. Like, hey, what are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> what do you mean? What we're we doing tonight? We got Sunday, kids, man. Sunday morning at two. Two. Uh, that press conference uh, scheduled to start at any moment. Austin's giving the shrug, though. Like, uh, likely it's not starting early. I'm so guessing. Please wait for the host. So, oh, so oh, that's not soon, a good as sign. As, as soon as we we get that clear, we will go directly to it. Even if I'm in the middle of a very, very compelling, interesting story. Go Cougars! Particularly if you're in the middle <laughs> of a story. 
Especially if it's about stubbing your toe again. Right, yeah. That, Can't get that four minutes back. <laughs> was it four minutes? It was like 30 seconds. It felt like four minutes. And then I debated in my mind, should I get a Band-Aid? <laughs> then I, I thought, Lisa, where are the Band-Aids? Oh, how how often do I have to change the Band-Aid? And, <laughs> I, and handled does, it my, I handled it myself. Do we have myself. any absorbing junior in I the house? Admit, getting to my toe, it was, uh, you know, I had to... Limber up a little bit to get down do, there. Do you Come on. Do, do you let a, a wound breathe? Because why? I mean, we don't breathe through our toe, so why, why would it need to breathe? Now Jake's doing it. <laughs> oh, man. oh man, Gordon, you were a good sport, buddy. That's why we love you. Uh, so we will get to that, and then do go see Gordon's column, sltrib.com. Uh, I know I haven't had a chance to read it myself, but I know you uh, scribed. A column about. I uh, tweeted that out right before the show, Jake. I I, I will make a prediction. You're going to agree with me on this one. Well, that happens so rarely. That's I a know. bold statement. <laughs> I know. That's I can't rare. guarantee it, but I think you will. It's a bold statement. So yeah, we'll get to it, and uh, and we'll talk some BYU football uh, throughout the show. Show does end early. We made the jokes about the East Coast road swing, but uh, five thirty tip off tonight for the Jazz and the Nets. Four thirty pregame. Uh, Coach Lacombe, speaking of him, he'll be uh, along for the ride for pre-half and post tonight. No Kevin Durant for the Brooklyn Nets as he's out for the next week because of uh, COVID protocols. So we're going to see a lot of Uncle Drew tonight, Gordon, a lot of Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Uncle Drew, so if you were going to make a prediction on this game, uh, with with Kevin Durant, would you pick the Nets? And without him, will you pick the Jazz? Um. I might have picked the Jazz even if Kevin Durant would have played. They've they've been kind of weird this year. Yeah, they the have. the You're one right. constant is they don't play any sort of defense. So if the the offensive kind of continuity carried over a game, which I expected it uh, I expect it to do for a variety of reasons, then uh, I would give it the the Jazz pretty good shot in this one with with no KD. I I think the Jazz should win. Huh. Okay. All right. Well, Kevin Durant ordinarily would play some defense, but they they are nowhere near as good yet as I thought they would be. You know, I mean, and I wasn't sure they were going to be great. I wasn't one of those guys out there saying, "Oh yeah, they're going to win the NBA title." But when you have that much talent uh, at certain positions, it's it's you know. By the way, I never saw that movie with Uncle Drew. Did you see that movie? Oh no, no, absolutely not. Would uh, refuse. Even if somebody paid me to watch it, I don't think I would watch it. Uh, but the original commercial was hilarious and awesome. <laughs> Mr. Movie, did you see it? Uh, I saw a big chunk of it and regretted all of it. Did you yeah. really? That it bad, was huh? awful. Yeah, huh? there's no way it's good. But the original commercial, because they filmed it as if it you know, could actually happen, right? That this NBA player <laughs> dressed up like an old man and went and, and owned the court, you know? But... Uh, but but spare me a movie. All right, let's go to the press conference now down at BYU. Here, do you want to jump straight to questions today? Um, just go to questions. Okay, sounds good. Go ahead and use the hand-raising function if you have questions for Coach. All right, we'll start with Jared Lloyd. Hey, Aaron, congratulations, first of all, on the promotion. I just, you know, you've been here before. You've been in this position before, and I wondered what you feel like you've learned since your last stint as offensive coordinator, now as you take over again as an offensive coordinator? Um, well, I mean, you learn 
a hundred new things every year. I mean, it's like too many to count. I was talking to a coach yesterday at, uh, at another school and just about how much you evolve from year to year. Um, so it's kind of hard to put my finger on, you know, one or two things, but, uh, I think the important thing is that I, I do take very seriously the responsibility to, um, continue to try to improve as a coach every year, the same way that we ask our players to. And I think it's important that they see, uh, their coaches working just as hard to evolve and, and improve. And sometimes that's schematic things. And sometimes it's just, you know, maybe, uh, finding a, n- a new way to connect with a player that, that needs it. So it, it kind of a broad answer, but yeah. All right. Let's take a question from Pat Kinahan, Jay Drew and Jason Shepard. Pat, you there? I think you're muted. Hold on, hold on. There you go. It's very Come on, rare that I'm, Get your technology straight. Very rare that I'm muted, I got to say that. Um, <laughs> but welcome you, nonetheless. <laughs> mute yourself, Jay. Uh, you've been working with quarterbacks a lot in recent years. How will this change at all with this different uh, responsibility? Not much. Yeah, my you know, my role will pretty much be the same as it's been with the quarterbacks and, and, um, you know, the, our, in fact, our whole offensive staff plan to keep everybody's responsibilities and positions intact. So, and, you know, we've been playing, we've been playing well on offense and we're in a good, good rhythm right now as a staff. And, uh, we were fortunate that grimy, uh, we had six coaches on offense. So grimy um, was able to just sort of be a roamer. And some days he was coaching, helping with the O line. Some days he was coach helping with the tight ends. Some days he was helping with the running backs. He was, he was all over the field. Um, so we'll miss that for sure. But as far as each individual coach's responsibilities go, I, I plan on keeping those the same. Aaron, will you make any wholesale changes to the offense? Uh, I don't suppose you will, but I just wanted to ask. And then also, um, will you have a name for it? Uh, does it have a name under Grimy? <laughs> um, it, no, it doesn't have a name yet. Uh, I'll try if I can. Maybe if I can one up uh, Grimy's RVO, I'll, I'll try. But I haven't. I haven't pulled that off yet. Um, but um, in all seriousness, I, I do believe in the same things that Jeff preached about. You know. Uh, being reliable and, and being physical. And so we, and that's one thing that those are characteristics that, you know, we should be able to have every year in this program. And so we've, we've tried to lean on the fact that we coach kids that are reliable and kids that we've got some size and some physicality on this team and we need to use it. And so that part will not change. You know, our, our offense, I don't plan on our offense changing uh, very much if at all. You know, there's little tweaks every year to try to stay one step ahead of your opponents. So, you know, we might add or delete, make make minor additions or deletions just based on um, who our personnel might be or if we just think there's something that we're missing that can maybe help us have an advantage uh, over a a tough schedule that's coming up. But um, 
I would anticipate our offense being very, very similar. And that's part of the reason I think why, um, you know, we have a chance to be good as we, we do have a system in place. Now this will be our fourth year with the same system. Many of our players are two, three, and even four year starters now. And so uh, the idea would be that we can just keep rolling and keep trying to improve, but not having to reinvent everything. And then with, with Zach uh, moving on now that it's official, how would you handicap the quarterback race coming up in the hmm. fall? <laughs> it's it's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be a hard decision for sure. Um, I, I think you have to, you know, just you always have to start with who's played and who we've seen play in a game before. So I think it would be fair to start with Jaron and Baylor because we've seen those guys play. And they, and when they played, they both played well. So uh, we've seen Baylor more than Jaron. Um, but I think, uh, you know, obviously Baylor played really well a couple of years ago and got some big wins for us. And, and this year, you know, he got in quite a bit this year. Um, just Zach had such a good season. It was overshadowed. But when Baylor played this year, he was very efficient and played well. And um, um, then, of course, when Jaron played a couple of years ago, briefly uh, showed some really exciting flashes of what he's capable of. He's an excellent passer, very accurate thrower with a, a lot of ability to be a good player. He's had some bad luck with injuries, but we expect him to be fully healthy for spring ball. And then we have two young quarterbacks uh, on scholarship right now in, in Soljay Mayava and Jacob Conover, who were both very highly recruited um, and and really good players so it's going to be tough it's going to be tough and I, I can't make any predictions right now but we will make sure each one of those guys gets an opportunity to show what they can do Aaron I wanted to go back to something that you had talked about just a second ago in terms of the overall offense obviously coming off the type of offensive performance that we saw this past season what excites you most about the way the offense is trending, realizing that personnel is going to be a little different, but the way that the offense as a, as a whole is trending, what excites you most about that? Well, it, it starts with our ability to block people. You know, I mean, that's, I think, uh, something I haven't heard anybody mention. I, I don't, I haven't you know, read everything that people write and stuff, but, um, I think one of the most, uh, fascinating parts of our bowl game was James Empey wasn't able to play. He's, and he's, everybody knows what a good player he is. He's been a three-year starter and, you know, team captain, just an awesome player. Well, he can't play. So Joe Tukwafu steps in. We don't skip a beat. Then Joe Tukwafu gets injured and uh, Connor Pay comes in and we just keep rolling. And I don't know if anybody even noticed that we, we were down to our third center while we were going up and down the field. And so that was, it starts with that. We have, we have good offensive linemen in this program. And, um, you know, anytime you can hold up on the line of scrimmage, you have a chance. And if you can't block people, you got no shot. And so that's what excites me the most is that I have a lot of confidence that we are going to continue to play well on the line of scrimmage against whoever we play. And we should, you know, it starts there and then we just got to, make the other pieces fit around that and make sure we, we make good use of our skill players. All right, let's go with Mitch Harper, Jake Hatch, and Sean Walker. Yeah, Coach, uh, who, are, who are some of the individuals that in your coaching career that have maybe helped shape 
your play calling style as an offensive coordinator and individuals that have been mentors to you during your career? Oh man, there are so many. Um, it started with just being a graduate assistant here um, for Lavelle. Um, you know, obviously coach Chow, all the great offensive coaches that were here back in those days, Lance Reynolds and Robbie Bosco. And, and uh, those, those guys were, you know, BYU offense was, is, is, uh, you know, that the old, the old BYU offense is, is, uh, you know, where it all started for me. And a lot of the stuff we're doing now is still straight out of that offense. I mean, we threw, <laughs> we threw a little mesh crossing route eight times a game or more. And it was, it was a really good play in the central Florida game. And that was a play that we were running when I was a player here. And I learned it from those guys. So, um, and you turn on college football on Saturdays and you're seeing a whole bunch of teams do it now. And it was, so it starts there. Um, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, Robert and I was a big one for me. He was, he was the offensive coordinator at Rick's college when I was a player and, and, um, he, he really did a lot for me as a player and I've always admired, uh, the success he's had in, in coaching. And, um, you know, I had big breaks in my career from Gary Anderson to obviously Kyle Whittingham hired me at the U. Those were, those are all mentors I look up to and, and really respect. And then offensively, Andy Ludwig had a huge impact on me, uh, early in my coaching career. Um, Andy's a guy that's Done, been good at a lot of different schools with a lot of different styles of offense. But what I learned most from him was just attention to detail. Um, you know, uh, the administrative part of the job, just, just, uh, you know, trusting your assistants, handing out responsibilities, uh, just so many things, so really great experience working with him. And then each year I, I just, you know, I watched, I watch the best offenses around and I study those offenses and I, I try to learn and take bits and pieces. I've been doing that my whole career. And I, you know, I, uh, you know, the, the best, some of the best plays we ran this year were just straight rip off of other teams. You know, we scored in the Houston game, a little underhanded red zone play to Mason Wake. Uh, we, we stole it straight from the chiefs and the name of the play was chiefs, you know, and tribute to coach Reed. It was, you know, those things are fun. And so we're always, we're going to try to be aggressive on offense and we're going to try to, um, you know, I'll, I'll take ideas from anywhere I see them, but we have a good system in place right now that doesn't need a lot of, a lot of tweaking, but um, those are just a few of my influences. I've probably forgotten. I've probably forgotten a bunch of others, but um, I was been fortunate to work with a lot of, a lot of good coaches over the years and you learn from all of them. And uh, the other one I would say is Jeff Grimes. I mean, I learned a lot from Jeff. He, he, um, he's an excellent coach and he had a, a vision of what he wanted us to look like here. And initially it didn't quite shape up the way he, I think maybe had in mind. And he, what I've really learned from him was he was willing to adapt. Hey, this is what we wanted to do. This is what we have to work with. And now we got to adapt. And, and we did that and we got better each year and it was really fun to work with him and, and see, um, you know, just the way that he got our team to play with physicality and toughness and, confidence and and uh, I'm going to miss him Aaron I wanted to ask you now you make the move to offensive coordinator can you explain to people out there who may not know what a passing game coordinator does exactly (laughs) 
Yeah, well, it, it varies. You know, in, in some programs, it's just a title and and uh, doesn't matter. But here, you know, uh, cr- again, credit to, to Coach Grimes. He he gives out responsibilities amongst the staff and trusts each guy on the staff to do his job. And then we get back together and meet. And you know, whoever's in charge of that area of the offense. Uh, leads the leads the way and so just as an example and during the season you know fessy's the third down guy and so every week he presents to us his plan for third downs um and we talk about it and everybody has a chance to have input and of course ultimately grimy had the final say but he trusted fessy each week to be in charge of third downs you know and i was red zone and eric mateos was you know goal line or short yardage and you know, Harvey and Steve had their areas and everybody uh, has their responsibilities and you, you trust those guys to do their job. And then and then uh, everybody has a chance to contribute, but that's the lead guy. And so Fessy um, will step into that role and he'll he'll be the he'll sort of have the lead on ideas in the passing game. If we want to do anything new, um, if we want to, you know, anything needs, needs to be fixed, he'll he'll take the lead on that and. And I have tons of confidence in him that he's ready for that. We, we pretty much think with the same brain anyway when it comes to the passing game. I've been coaching him since Southern Utah when he was a freshman. So, Sean Walker. I almost pulled a PK there. forgot to unmute myself. Sorry about that, Coach. Uh, <laughs> also love you, Pat. Um, but, uh, coach, I think you kind of answered this for the most part, but maybe I can ask it a little bit of a different way and just kind of see if, if you have kind of any ideas or thoughts or input on that. But, but because of the nature of the promotions, it does leave you guys with the ability to go out and hire another coach. Do you think that's something that could be used on the offensive side of the ball? Do you have kind of any thoughts or, or will you have any input? I guess that's probably ultimately a Kalani question, but will you yeah. sort of have any any input or any say on that? Do you kind of see that direction going forward? Or um, That'll be Kalani's decision. I will say that, you know, six on offense, four on defense is not super common. So, um I think the hire could go either way. And um, if we get a sixth coach, great. If we don't, we've, we've got more than, more than got it covered. And, uh, you know, also want to mention, we have really good uh, other staff members in the room that don't always get recognition. You know, we have an analyst uh, and, and graduate assistants that do a great job. And, and so we're, we've been working together now for a few years. And I think, I think if we get one more coach, that'd be, fantastic and if if Kalani decides that position is better suited for defense then then um I'm fine with that too it's about winning as a team all right there you go that's a press conference down at BYU uh coach Aaron Roderick uh, being promoted to offensive coordinator Fessy Satake also promoted to passing game coordinator uh the the press conference will continue on we'll get it up on the website uh in its entirety, uh, in podcast form. Uh, but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll move on with the big show coming up next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. We come on this loop, John B. Locked on to the big show presented by Big O Tires. 
Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a Total Request Tuesday today. Uh, The theme Austin has selected, give us your songs about missing or being away from home. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, Total Request Tuesday, brought to you by our friends at Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, check them out, livenation.com. This is uh, my selection for Total Request Tuesday. Is this the right version you were thinking of? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's a great song. Have you ever been on uh, Austin a vacation that uh, just uh, was so miserable that uh, you couldn't wait for it to end? Uh, yeah. Many. <laughs> many, many a vacation. We, my family, this will shock people. But my family, we once had a friend say he wanted to buy the rights of our vacation stories to sell a book because he thought it would be a bestseller how much <laughs> bad luck we have on vacations. Okay. Oh, it spreads, huh? It's terrible. Oh, we, we, they're funny to laugh on, as you, to laugh back on, but when you're in the middle of it, it's not fun. You ever been lost in Death Valley with no water, air conditioner, or shade? You got lost in Death Valley? Well, the desert in Nevada. I call it Death Valley. Oh. <laughs> the Nevada desert? You got lost in the Nevada desert? No, like desert? stranded. Like oh, the car completely dead. Oh, I see. No one's helping. It. My dad had to do the National Lampoon's family vacation thing where he went <laughs> and trekked through the desert looking for help. Did he sit you down and have a beer with you Pretty first? Pretty much. <laughs> Son, you're the man of the house now. If I don't return, and I likely won't, yeah. There used to be a, a TV show. That uh, Ronald Reagan would be on in the beginning and the end of it, and it was uh, I think it was called Death Valley Days or something like that. And he would there was a there was a wagon being pulled by oxen trudging through Death Valley. Looked <laughs> scary to me. I've I've driven by Death Valley at Death Valley, but I've never been in there. Uh, that, that, Did you that say it was a be... show starring Ronald Reagan? Well, he he did the intro and the outro. How old? Okay. Is that show? It was I'm serious. It was, was it the first show? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Death Valley Days, I think it was called. Google at least knows Petticoat Junction. Google doesn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Death Valley Days. Look, Google it right now. And you'll see Valley it. It'll come Day. right up. It'll be in black and white. And, I, I, uh, I'll say this, though. Just because it existed does not make it interesting. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we were talking about Death Valley, and uh-huh. I was when I watched that show, I, I was young, but it looked very intimidating. First episode, place. March 1, 1952. <laughs> what was the last episode? Well, it, it wow, it was on for 18 years? That's impossible. Yeah, it says last was. episode was April of 70. Yeah. The theme music composer, Herbert Taylor. Who's that? I don't know, but he's, you know he's old. His, last, his first name's Herbert. Who names their kid Herbert since 1960? He probably went by Herb. Or Herb. Still. Or Herb. (sighs) Herb. Who knows? I'll tell you this. I once went on a vacation. This was when I was single. I went on a vacation away from my girlfriend, and I really missed her. And I wanted to get back to her. Oh, okay. And And I was in a really good place. I should I should have just should have worried about that, but I where where really back. good place to find where where were you? Uh, I was at a beach location. That could mean all sorts um, of things. Where 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 were you? 
Uh, I don't want to get into the details. Why would you be embarrassed where to say Mrs. where did Mrs. DuPont you, take you? Where did you, yeah, where, where did you go? It may, it, may, it may have been an island somewhere, but uh, it was, uh, yeah, I missed her. And so I was just eager to get back. Wait, how, Sea Island? How old were you? I was, uh, gosh, I don't, I don't know how old I was. I was in my early 20s. So you were taking paradise vacations to random islands in your early 20s while the rest of us are 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 taking every nickel we can out of the couch cushion to go buy food? You're you're well, off no. to Tahiti? No, I was working. I, I, I had, you know, I went there to, you know, help construct something. You said it was a vacation. Yeah, you I did. Know. I'm lying. I'm lying. That part was a lie. <laughs> yeah, you're but not doing us. any Habitat for Humanity trips. <laughs> Not you. I wasn't looking in the mouths of uh, people uh, helping uh, fix their teeth or anything like See, that. See, true story, in my early 20s, we, we saved for months to take a five-day road trip, which actually took me through Death Valley, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, that was the time. And, and you were off to, to uh, a, a, a Caribbean vacation. You were Captain Ronning it in the, in the Caribbean. His warm water took a minute to come. And, and on top on top of this, it was the summer, and it was like 117 degrees in Death Valley, and we were driving in an old Jeep that we had to turn the heat on because it was overheating. Okay, and we yeah. didn't, and we did not want to be stranded in the middle of Death Valley with nowhere to go. So here we are, just bla- it had to be 150 degrees in the cab, <laughs> sailing through uh, Lancaster, California, getting so third degree were... burns. Wait a minute, Lancaster is near Death Valley. Sure it is. Oh, it's not? You take the 405 to the 203 and then swing over on yeah. the I-5. It, uh, well, whatever. I mean, and so you are, you are regretting that vacation choice. <laughs> no, actually, the vacation was, was one of the greatest vacations of my life. But it wasn't Bali. But, but that part of it was, was not particularly good. And yes, it wasn't Bali. You know, that's where I, I discovered that gambling can really be a thing. I had just turned 21 and I had like $300 to my name and it was all uh, for this trip. And and night one, we stopped in Vegas. We went from Vegas to Santa Barbara to L.A. back to Vegas and home in five days. And How much money did you have when you went by through Vegas a second time? Oh, I was well out of money because I lost like probably 280 of the $300 on night one. <laughs> oh, this is when you had to beg for an Arby's sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my friends were, were basically like loaning me quarters at a time to feed myself throughout the rest of the trip. Meanwhile, Man, Gordon's Jake, that, that in Belize was, with his feet that was, up. That, that, that was an unwise choice. Yeah, I learned you know? that lesson quick. I took yeah, a vacation to Rexburg when vacation. I was Gordon's age. He's in he's in the, the Maldives. Yeah, it, it could have really ruined <laughs> our to the Maldives. I'd like to go there though. <sighs> you you and Gordon are very 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 opposite. Yeah, we are different people. But no, that's all we right. Weren't. I was a hard working kid growing up. I had a paper route when I was eleven years old, and I was slugging my way through. And I painted houses and uh, drove tractors and pushed lawnmowers. And you know, I, I I learned to work hard as a young kid. My dad that was important to him. So don't give me any of that crap. I worked I worked really hard. And then you marry Lisa. She does it all now. Being a member of the safety patrol is no piece of cake either. We're not giving you crap. We're just saying that not everybody goes to goes to the the uh, what uh, the Philippines when they're twenty years old. Fiji, Fiji. How much wasted energy do you guys think there is on on single guys who think they have a girlfriend who they 
really like, but they probably, you know, there's no real, there's no real payoff there as far as any kind of long-term type deal. Well, if there's no payoff, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's where we were other on opposite ends of the spectrum as well. I mean, I was looking out for the welfare of my future and uh, her future, and you were just looking to get paid. Paid? No, I was looking to enjoy... uh, Literally. I I was looking to enjoy a relationship. Who doesn't like the the dating aspect and getting to know somebody? It's always enjoyable. (laughs) What are you talking about? Just because I went out on a date doesn't mean I was like, wow, (laughs) got to lock this down as soon as I can. Got to get married tomorrow. Okay. Well, that was a productive segment. Not really. You started it with Reagan. You did. It was weird. I want to say thanks to our title sponsor, Big O Tires. Uh, Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires and save up to $150 on a set of Big O brand tires today. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah's highest-rated, most-listened-to-sports-radio-afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O' Tires. Stop by your locally-owned Big O' Tires for no-credit-needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O' Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz take on the Nets tonight. Uh, that game will tip off at uh, a little after 5.30. Pre-game begins at 4.30. Gordon, you uh, you seem to think uh, or, or allude to earlier in the show, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you you have high expectations for this Nets team. Uh, not, well, I just it has an awful lot of talent on it. And there was always the idea about how, what effect Kyrie Irving would have on that team as a whole. But I, I, I thought they'd be quite good. I didn't know how good. I needed to see it. But I have so much respect for, for Kevin Durant's talent. Uh, I think that guy I, – I just haven't seen many players that were close to being having his frame and having his dimensions and being able to play the way he does. I mean, that guy could shoot. He could hit 23-footers in in a very small space, just verticality and launching that thing. And that seems like it would be darn near impossible to block. And he's accurate as a shooter. So people talk about James Harden as being such a great offensive player. I, I think Kevin Durant may be one of the best offensive players I've ever seen in all my life. Yeah, he's he's truly special. Uh, there's no doubt about it. It's kind of funny. Oh, it, it, sorry, but go whether ahead. It, but whether it can all come together, Jake, I, I I can't really say that. It's hard. I mean, they have some good shooters on that team. They've got guys who can do things. Uh, but will it will it mesh? I I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I I didn't think as highly of it. I well, at least right away, I don't didn't necessarily think it would mesh. Kyrie Irving is. I just don't know if he's committed to winning basketball. Uh, defensively, they were always going to have uh, their issues and, and still do. Uh, Kevin Durant, though, I, I was going to say, um, 
kind of interesting. It, it, his career in and of itself uh, kind of makes a statement, and not that anybody doubted him coming out of college. He was the second pick, right? But remember the the mark on him was he could only bench. What was his bench at the combine? It was like a, he couldn't bench the bar or something wild. And everybody <laughs> was like, oh, man, well, that's a sign. How good's he going to be, this skinny guy that can't even get the bar up, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it hasn't mattered. 185, thank you. And it hasn't mattered one bit. Yeah. I mean, because he's a seven-foot guy, and everybody thought, oh, he's not a tough guy. Well, he's how long is he going to last in the NBA? And he basically reinvented the position. Now, yeah. You could be seven feet tall, be an athletic wing that can score from anywhere on the floor and play some decent defense. And I know the Nets have him play more of the four, and that's actually part of their defensive issues because he's not necessarily a, a tough front-court player. But it's, it's pretty amazing because I, I remember that being a big thing with him when he was drafted. Like, oh, he's not strong enough. He's not tough enough. And it's like, well... He's going to score over everybody in the league, so who cares? Remind me, Jake, who went number one that year? Uh, Greg Oden, right? Oh, uh, was it Greg Oden? Yeah. Oh, baby. Oh, that's a sad story. Well, and Competitively it, speaking. Yeah, it, it is, that he just couldn't stay healthy. And it was coming off that year when Mike Conley and Greg Oden made the finals, right? And uh, Kyrie Irving, or not Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant with Texas went out in like the first round or something. And everybody's like, oh, man, Oden's the can't-miss guy. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. Kevin Durant will go down as one of the best of all time, and, and Greg Oden, unfortunately, was, was never able to stay healthy. What do you think would have happened if he had been healthy? I don't know, because the game's evolved, right? Were you a right? big believer? Well, the, I, I had my doubts. I don't know. He was a, he was a traditional big, and that's not really uh, as valuable a position as it once was. Especially if you only score 11 points a game, right? <laughs> I think the Jazz are a little Shaq. bit unique. I, I think the Jazz have, have designed their team to highlight that position more than others. But, I mean, you know, your, your all-star low post big, how many of those are even left? If Carl Malone were in the game now as opposed to all those years ago, do you think teams would uh, utilize him in the same way Jerry Sloan did? Oh, I think – well, yes and no. Yes, I think that that, that post game, as Dirk Nowitzki proved, I mean, if, if you're that good at it, then it's it's deadly regardless of what area you play in. But uh, I would bet that Carl, if he played today, would, would max his range out at the three. I bet he would he would put the three-point shot into his arsenal. I mean, he developed that jumper in his career and worked so hard on it. I bet he would push it out a few more feet if he played today. I agree with that. And he was, essentially, he was the Jazz's center. I mean, at the offensive end, he was the center. Uh, yeah, he was. And, and ironically, he always wanted to play with a superstar center beside him for some reason. But, yeah, he was offensively the center. I mean, you weren't dumping it into tag in the post, uh, so despite you, your opinion on his Hall of Fame status. Is there a player in the modern NBA that would mirror Carl Malone uh, as far as the way teams a team utilizes him? And just dumps the ball into him and lets him do his work. A lot of people compared Blake Griffin when he was with the Clippers to Carl. And huh. His games evolved a little bit, but I don't know if there is a comparison. You're right. He did develop that uh, that outside jump shot, and uh, that worked very well for him. Yeah. Uh, so I yeah I don't know the game. It's just interesting how the game changes and it affects the players and how they what their mindset is. And speaking of mindsets, with Kevin Durant. Did you think with some of the things that he has said on social media and some of the decisions he's made, do you think he's weak-minded? Do you think he's there's anything disconnected there? 
Oh, weak-minded. That's such a such a harsh criticism. He is a little <laughs> more thin-skinned than I thought. But I mean, uh, you, some people like Rudy Gobert, for example, turn that into a positive. So yeah. I, I don't. No, I don't think there's anything weak-minded about Kevin Durant. That, nothing that would affect the way he plays on. The I mean, floor. I'm I'm really surprised that he responds on social media like he does and makes some of the comments that he does because it's like, man, why are you paying attention to that? You're Kevin Durant. But I mean, I wouldn't say that that's weak-mindedness by any means. I mean. Guy's an NBA champion and MVP and one of the best of, uh, ever to do it. I imagine that uh, that's that would be difficult to do if you were weak-minded. So, okay, uh, I'm coming into the office now. It's your office, and you're Dr. Feelgood, all right? You're, you're analyzing, psychoanalyzing people and whatnot. I have a question for you, all right, Doc? Uh, Kyrie, I, above- Kyrie Irving, that's my question. Um, Break that one down. He's uh, unique. That's a little vague, Doc. <laughs> well, I don't know Kyrie personally. Some of the stuff that, that he said I think is a little bit out, off the wall, and some of the stuff he said is a little bit out of touch. I don't think he's actually a flat earther. I think that's him trolling everybody because he finds it funny. What about, what about the whole, you know, what the, the effect he had on the Celtics? Well, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily unique to him. You know, he came into a situation where he thought he was going to rule the roost and that didn't turn out to be the case for a variety of reasons. And it ended poorly. Uh, I don't know if that would necessarily be unique to him. Do you think it's overly harsh criticism that he blew that team up? Well, they were still a playoff team going, you know, threatening for the conference finals every year. So I don't know what he blew up. Well, expectations were high, I think. They're still high in Boston, right? Yeah, I, that just didn't go the way I thought it would. I thought he would have a more positive effect on that team, and it seemed like he was an anchor that was being dragged along. I mean, I think he's, he seems like a player that's into himself. I mean, he's yeah. making movies, and, uh, you know, when the <laughs> coaching staff in Cleveland said, hey, how about you make a play for a teammate, he said, that's LeBron's job. <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't know how conducive that is, but there's probably not a better ball handler on the planet. I wonder what would happen uh, with a player like that uh, for the Jazz. Would they remain a Jazz man, or do you think he'd be uh, shipped out pretty quick? Because, you know, Quinn is pretty good at capitalizing on the talent of players, but it seems as though his whole thing is, you know, the team, the team, the team, the team. That seems like what he stresses more than anything. And maybe I'm being too harsh on Kyrie Irving. I I don't know. It just strikes me as a me-first player. Coming up next, Craig Bullerjack jumps on the show. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.